Let's turn to the book of Acts again, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, and I just want to say I'm happy, I don't know about y'all, very, very happy tonight, Acts chapter 16, the music as always was good, and look forward to uh, the message tonight, and uh, I won't keep you very long, I want to get a thought across to you, uh, that'll be a help to us, uh, but it's, it's good to see my friends, the bachelors here tonight, not David and Jen, the real bachelors uh, here tonight were David's parents, and I always enjoy uh, seeing them, and it's really a blessing to see them. I got to thinking what a blessing it is for them. They're not used to hearing good preaching, and uh, so uh, please tell your pastor I said that if you would. Uh, they're members of the North Belcher's Church, and so you understand uh, what a joy and a privilege this has to be for them today uh, to hear some good preaching. Uh, it's good to see them uh, in the service tonight. Acts chapter number 16, again reading with verse number 1. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and he took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. As they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained to the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. I want to draw your attention to the first five verses this evening, and especially verse number one. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman. I want, to, I want you to think with me just for a few minutes tonight. Uh, the Bible you hold in your hands, we, God has pulled back the curtain of history to allow us to see the lives of individuals. One, we can see the mistakes they made and learn from them. And then there's the other side that we can copy their faith. Uh, we can be reminded that they were human just like we are. But I think sometimes we look and we see the finished product. We talk so much about the Apostle Paul and what he did for God. And certainly what he did for God is just uh, just a testimony to the, to the bigness of our God. But what he was before he was saved... If we were to turn a few pages over, several books over, you'd find the uh, books 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Uh, two of my favorite books of the Bible. We get so much about how uh, we're to conduct church, so much about our faith in there, so many uh, nuggets of truth in there. But before there was 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, there was the son of a certain woman. And tonight I want to challenge us to sometimes look beyond what we see on the surface, but then be reminded that just because there's a son of a certain woman today doesn't mean there can't be First and Second Timothy a little bit further down the road. Tonight I want to preach on that thought, the son of a certain woman. Father, I pray tonight that you'll uh, help us for the next few minutes. Uh, it is a little warm. It's been a full day. Much work has gone into this weekend. Extra work yesterday. 
all the things that go on behind the scenes for uh, the music practices and the and, and the nursery care and the, and the different things. And Father, I pray that uh, for the next few minutes our attention will be on the Word of God and what You have for us. I pray that we'll be challenged tonight, be convicted, be encouraged. Father, uh, may we help uh, help ourselves so that we can help somebody else. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You find the son of a certain woman, the man Timotheus. Uh, Timothy, that he would author, or he would uh, be the one who these letters uh, from the Apostle Paul would be written to. He was the son of a certain woman. There was nothing ideal about him. As a matter of fact, in just a moment, we're going to find all the things that were stacked against him, if you will. Just because we look, so many times we're guilty of this, and I've got to be honest with you, sometimes I'm guilty of this. You, you see somebody that gets saved, you see somebody that gets in a church, and you're like, well, um, God bless them, they got this far, but uh, what could the Lord, Lord, Lord do with them? And sure enough, the Lord would do only beyond what you and I could ever imagine that He could do. And I'm afraid that's what we need to keep our, our attention on. It is not what we have the ability to do, but what God has the ability to do through us. Before I get into the outline tonight, I want to remind everybody of that. It doesn't matter what your limitations are. It doesn't matter what what you think you you can and cannot do. Make yourself available to God. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're the pastor. It doesn't matter if you think you're the the least of the entire church congregation. Make yourself available to God. If you can sing, you can't sing, make yourself available to God. You say, well, I didn't grow up like you grew up, Pastor. No, you may not have, but make yourself available to God. I know a lot of people who grew up like me, and they have yet to make themselves available to God. So that is my challenge. I believe it's the Lord's will uh, that, that everybody... I wish everyone would know what it was like to grow up in a Christian home. I'm thankful for the way I grew up. I grew up as a preacher's kid. I grew up as a pastor's kid. And uh, you can hold that against me if you want, um, but that's okay. I grew up uh, in a Christian home. I grew up with Christian parents, with good parents. Uh, I've known known nothing but church. I've known nothing but the old-time religion, and I'm thankful for that. I, I wish that every child would know what that's like. I wish every young person would know what it's like to have a mom and dad saved on their way to heaven, serving God, making sure they're in the house of God, making sure they listen. I can remember as a child, there was a time that my dad was not pastoring. I can remember it, and I knew it was whatever the pastor said. That That is what we listened to and what went on. And when he became the pastor, it was really whatever the pastor said. That's what, that's what we're listening to. And I, 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 I'm thankful. I'm not one of these. I'm 44 years of age, and I'm not one of these who look back and I have regrets about the way I grew up. I'm thankful for the way I grew up. I don't want to criticize my area. I don't want to criticize the way I grew up. I'm thankful that I grew up in a Christian home. I'm thankful that I was taught the Word of God. I'm thankful that my testimony is not one that I'm not perfect. I didn't live a, a perfect, I haven't lived a perfect life, but I'm thankful it's not, it's one that I was not saved out of the world. I'm thankful that I was able to avoid so many scars and so many difficulties that you pick up in this world. And young people, listen to me. No matter what the devil tells you, you don't want what's out there. You, you, you don't want you know, you'll have a good time, maybe for a little while, but there is a payment on that. I'm thankful, and I wish, and that's, what, that's my dream. That's my heart's desire for every, 
every child in any that sits in the services tonight. There's, there's children in the nurseries tonight. I don't really know what it's like to have a mom and dad. A mom and dad, you keep yourself right. You keep yourself close to God. You keep yourself in the Word of God. You keep your family in the house of God. You say, well, I didn't have that. Well, your child deserves to have that. But I understand that that's not every situation. I understand but tonight, some of you wish you had that. These young people in the service tonight, you got here on your own. You, you, you have to do it on your own. My wife, we've been married last, last week. We celebrated uh, something like 20-something years. No, we celebrated 23 years of marriage. She, she grew up in a single home. She was a bus kid. I want you to see that tonight. Well, I want for every child to know what it's like for mom and dad to be in church. I do realize that's it's getting very much so in our nation today that that's the minority. I want to say, just because you're in a whole other message tonight, and I'll get to the outline in just a moment, but young people, just because your mom and dad do bring you to church doesn't mean you have a guarantee, you're guaranteed to, to make, yourself, make something for God. You can only ride a mom and dad's coattail so long you better develop your own relationship with God. Listen to the listen to mom and dad. Listen to your pastor. Listen to those workers that have been placed in your life. But they're there so you can get to know your God. Tonight I want to speak to those that are not in what I would consider, what I would choose for everybody, what I know God would have for everybody. Not everybody's going to grow up that way. It does not mean there's not a Timotheus who God will use in a great, great way. I want us to see some things, some observations I made from we look at this passage of Scripture very casually. I think we'll miss it. We see in verse number 1, they came to Derby and Lystra. And if you read the, and study the book of First and Second Timothy, you understand that this Timotheus is, 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 is Timothy, the son of a certain woman. First one tells us, and we know he was, uh, she was at way Jewish and believed. She was a believer. But his father was a, was a Greek. We find, by observation, we find a less than ideal situation. It is not the perfect picture of a family that uh, is in the house of God, is going to church together. We, we find there that mom was a Jew, mom was saved, father was a Greek. Uh, more than likely, he was an unsaved man. He was not in the picture. That is a less than ideal situation. But friend, let me remind you, we're reminded from this, and we're reminded because we see it around us all the time, just because... There's a less than ideal situation does not mean God can't reach in that situation and God cannot overcome that situation so that He can not only be honored, but we have somebody's life can turn out to amount for a whole lot for God. So many times we look and that's why I get so upset and, and angry about the emerging church because they'll push aside those that aren't in the ideal situation and we want a certain type man, a certain type lady, and a certain type uh, of giving unit to come from them. And those that cannot give anything to us, those that cannot, cannot help us, we're going to overlook them because they're in that situation uh, that they can't do anything for us, friend. That is not 
not the purpose of the gospel to find only those that can do for us. We're to be looking for those in the less than ideal situation because since the pages of Scripture to the day we live in the day, God works in the less than ideal situation. But it's probably less than ideal situation. Tonight, if you're in the less than ideal situation, I want to give you hope. You're not down. In the caste system. We don't have a caste system in the family of God. So I, I'm a, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up in the house of God. I know what it's like to be in church my whole life. I was saved when I was four years of age, called to preach when I was six years of age. And I believe that is as God would have. But friend, that does not make me better than somebody in that less than ideal situation. It is not about me. It is about God who blessed me in a certain way. That does not mean that in a less than ideal situation, God cannot work. God will not work. Sometimes we get deceived by thinking, well, that's not the typical way it would be done. But God oversees, overcomes that. Notice there this would be progression here. We find not only a less than ideal situation, we find, second of all, we find the interest and investment of Paul. Not only was it, it was well reported of the fact that, his, that Timothy's father was a Greek, that he wasn't in the picture. Paul takes him in verse number 3. And Paul, Paul brings him with him and they travel and they, and they went through the cities. And in verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And, and we know that Timothy becomes a son in the faith of the Apostle Paul. Now, now isn't that a wonderful story? It happens because somebody took an interest in somebody that was in a less than ideal situation. And let me, let me just say this before, well, I'll, get, I'll get to that in a moment, but he, he has an interest in the Apostle Paul. There is an investment in the Apostle Paul. How does somebody who comes from a single parent home become a pastor, Pastor Timothy, become greatly used of God? Somebody's got to show an interest in him. Somebody's got to show an investment in him. And if I can just be so bold tonight, just go ahead and be blunt tonight. Some of you do you a lot of good to quit mourning over the fact that something didn't turn out in your life. You have a child that doesn't want to serve God. Find somebody else's that wants to serve God and invest in them. We'll pray for all the prodigals to come home. But in the meantime, find somebody who didn't have a mom and dad bring them to church. Find somebody who doesn't have a mom and dad praying for them. It took an investment by the Apostle Paul in the life of this one who just came from a less than ideal situation. Sunday school teacher, there's, there's young ladies and those young men for some of them to reach their potential you've got to take an interest in them you've got to do more than just teach that lesson on Sunday you've got to spend time in prayer for them you're going to have to shed some tears for them you're going to have to invest your time in them invest your money in them See, honestly, somebody in my testimony has no excuse at all for not serving God. 
That's why let me just remind all of the, 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 the young people and all the way down to the children. Have you ever come to your pastor one day and you want to give me all the excuses of why you can't serve God with your life? You're not going to find a sympathetic ear with me. We have no excuse not to serve God. We have no reason not to serve God. We are taught the Word of God. And yes, I know life can be difficult and the devil will, will come after you. But we, I don't have any excuse not to serve God this, this evening. We find somebody who somebody had to invest in. Somebody had to show an interest in. See, this was what I believe is true of men such as the Apostle Paul and those who do so much for the work of God. They saw, they see, not what they are, but what they could be. Sunday school teachers, look at those kids when you teach them and don't look at them as what they are what they could be. Mom and Dad, don't look at your children for where they are, what they are, look out for what they could be. Oh, one of the favorite uh, biographies I love to read, and you're going to hear this illustration again, you've heard it a hundred times, is, is the life of Hudson Taylor. And how his parents prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. He was a medical doctor. They wanted him to serve as a missionary. And there was that plea of missionaries for China. And they prayed, Lord, would you send our son? Would you send our son? Our son. So he was, a, he, was a, he was a medical doctor. He'd accomplished things. But they saw him for what he could do for God. They saw him as a servant of somebody. It would be a wonderful thing if every parent looked at their children and said, I don't know what God could do with you. I don't know what God would do, you, do for you. But I'm going to look at what God would do with your life and not just where you are now. That's what it takes. We have new converts that come in. And, and, and you can't be afraid of somebody who just gets saved and somebody who's in the house of God for the first time. Somebody's got to show an interest in them. Somebody's going to say, hey, why don't you come back and sit with me? And if they're not back the next week, I, Pastor, let me have their address so I can go see them, so I can show an interest in them, so I can make an investment in them. Somebody has to do that to those who come from that less than ideal situation. We find the interest and the investment of the Apostle Paul. He saw what that could be. This is an important thing to, to bring out as well. He knew what God could do to life. He's just a kid from a single parent home. What could God do with him? But Paul knew the answer to that. Because Paul never got so far removed from what he really was. Just a sinner saved by the grace of God. Saw that murderer, saw that persecutor, saw, saw, that, saw, saw, saw that destroyer. And he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord saved him, and he became the Apostle Paul doing things for the Lord. He never got so far removed from what God saved him from. There was never a situation he looked at and said, I think God can't, can change that. God could do something with that individual. He didn't do us good. I know we're far removed from what God saved us from. 
that if God could save you and clean you up and allow you to serve Him, He could probably do that with somebody else. He could probably do that with some 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 little child who has to overcome less than perfect circumstances. If somebody would just invest in them, God could probably overcome all the problems they have, all of the things that, that, that are stacked against Him. You notice in, in, in the Scripture, you start reading about the young Timothy, you don't find all of the things that, that all the positive things about him. You find all the obstacles. He had a godly mother. He had something going for him. But he didn't have a dad in the home. He didn't have that example. And, and dads on Father's Day, don't underestimate your example. Don't underestimate your responsibility to be the spiritual leader in that home. But he didn't have that. We find that it was known, it was well reported, it was known that his, who his dad was. But yet we have a, a man who took an interest and invested. And by the way, that's exactly what it is. It's an investment. It's an investment of your time. It's an investment of your money. It's an investment of your energy. Number three, I notice a willingness of Timothy to learn. Timothy learned from the Apostle Paul. You find that in by reading first and second Timothy, you find Paul talks about the faith giving the faithful man instruction to the faithful man. It took a faithful man from Paul to pass on the faith. But it takes a faithful man to receive it as well. I'm glad I have a, a, a faithful pastor, a pastor who week after week preaches. Are you faithful to receive it? Are you faithful to hold on to it? Are you faithful to pass it down? I'm thankful those of the previous generation where I could I can name the names tonight, so many are going on uh, to glory tonight who are held to the faith so that it can be passed down to me. It's my responsibility to turn and pass it down again. But I, there's got to be another Timothy. There's got to be another generation who receives it and is willing to be instructed and is willing to learn from the one that God places in their life. When a Christian fails to have a teachable spirit, they're in a very dangerous situation. Pastor, I got it. You're in a dangerous spot. Pastor, I know. You're in danger, and I don't even think you realize it. Mom and Dad, I got to figure it out. I, I, I know. Hey, you don't have a teachable spirit. Hey, and second and third generation Christians, this is something you really have to work on. See, Timothy was just glad to have a man involved in his life. Timothy was just glad to have somebody invest in him. Timothy was just like, I'm in here with my mom and my grandmother. Get me out of here. You'll you get me out of here. And he was really excited because he knew what he did not have. The problem with second and third generation Christians, and by the way, some of you, there's a time for some of you to take ownership of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's not your mom and dad's church anymore. It's your church. It's your investment. It's your involvement. And what you've got to understand is you have, in second gen, third generation Christians, they tend to have a problem with remaining teachable. Because you've heard it all. You don't know what it's like not to have instruction. You don't know what it's like not to have somebody 
given you what you do to do. Well, I'd just like to have a break from all this. No, you don't want a break from all this. There are those who, if they understood the benefit and the value of having a Christian parents and having a pastor and having a youth director and having those involved in their life, they would gladly have somebody push them and instruct them. Timothy was teachable. That's one of the wonderful things about a new convert, a new Christian. Pastor, what do I do next? Well, you really probably should stop doing that. Okay. But sometimes you say that second and third generation, the one who doesn't have a teachable spirit. Well, who does he think he is? Remain teachable. Some people remain teachable. God has been so good to me. And God has given me opportunities in the ministry, and I really believe it has much to do with what I'm talking about right now. I, I want to learn more. I, I realize I haven't arrived. I want to keep a teachable spirit. But you know, we find that the, 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 the spiritual, the Christian success story of Timothy was because you had a man by the name of Paul who saw past the lesson I did situation and was willing to invest. But you had a young man named Timothy who wanted to be taught, who wanted to learn, who wanted the instruction, who wanted to be told what to do. That's something, Christian, that you and I must keep. We must keep a teachable spirit. Number four, and I'm done. We find in to me, this is just a real sweet thought. We find an unlikely encourager and companion in the faith. Acts 16, the first few verses here, we read or a text tonight, you find a young man who's just referred to as Timotheus, the son of a certain woman. He had a good mom, she was a believer. Dad was a Greek. Dad's not there. We find a man of God who says, I'm going to invest. I'm going to look past the less than ideal situation. You find a young man named Timothy that says, if you'll teach me, I'll listen, I'll heed. We find that's the, that's the situation we find in Acts chapter number 16. But friend, that's not the, the sum of the story. That's certainly not the end of the story. We return tonight to the book of 2 Timothy and read that final chapter and you find those last words of this greatly used giant of God, the Apostle Paul. As he pins those last words to his son in the faith, Timothy. He didn't pin them to Silas. He didn't pin them to the Apostle Peter. He didn't pin them to all the brothers and sisters. He referred to so many and so much to him. But in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm writing my young son in the faith, my, 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 my companion in the faith. And he, he, he came more than just that project, if you will. He became more than just that, I'm going to invest because it's the right thing to do. God gave him a companion in the faith. God gave him an encourager in the faith 
faith and how encouraged was Paul. Just read. Start from chapter number 1 in 1 Timothy and then go all the way through 2 Timothy and you'll find such a warm relationship and you can find stretched on the pages of Scripture as they want in the soul and as, as Paul warns Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And he warns him that we've been in a Wednesday night in the last days, perilous times shall come. But continue, Timothy. Continue, Timothy. And then in that chapter number 4, if he knows his fight is done, he's, his, his departure is at hand, and we have this little boy, this one who comes from a single home, when God is done, God has given this great man of God an encouragement. He's given you somebody to pass the faith down to. He's given him a companion in the ministry. Don't miss this, Emmanuel Baptist Church. The reason why churches are dying. At one time, things are not going on. At one time, you can feel the, the buzz in the services. At one time, they were growing, and one time, they were moving forward. But they got away from looking into those less than ideal situations. They got to a place where they didn't want to invest their life anymore. They didn't want to invest their time anymore. They didn't want to invest their money anymore. And it became that second and that third generation. And, and this is all here for us. This is all here for our family. My family's saved. My kids have been through the school. My kids have been through the youth group. Thank you, Lord. But friend, there's others out there who didn't have a mom and dad to take them to church, who don't have somebody to teach them the Word of God. And it's up to you and it's up to me to find them and look past an ideal, an ideal situation and invest in them so that when we, fairly speaking, pen our final words, there's been somebody to lead the faith to. There's been somebody to encourage. You think of all the times that Paul found himself in prison. He'd have challenges just like you and I have stayed encouraged. Not getting defeated in spirit. Let me tell you what I, one of the things I think Encourage. You can get a sense from his writings of he begins to address those Christians that he had a part in their life, that he had a part in starting the church. All the thoughts of it is worth the efforts, it is worth the sacrifice, it is worth it. Oh, the 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 the, the, the prison cell. Isn't quite as claustrophobic then. It's not quite as dark then, knowing that there's a Timothy that you've invested in along the way. And how empty, Christian, to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for what you've done for God. That have nothing that you can point to. That have nobody you can point to. And friend, I'm not looking to leave tomorrow, but when the Lord does see fit to call me home, if He tells He's just coming, I want to be able to look back and I don't want to see it's not a portfolio that I'm looking at. It's not buildings. I want to, I want to look back and say, there's the legacy of my ministry. I want to see life after life after life that there's somebody who looked past 
the rest of our situation and said, I'll invest in you. I'll pray for you. I'll do my best to help you along the way. And friend, that's the satisfaction that every Christian can have. I'll tell you, that's the satisfaction of some of you who've been in this church for 30 years and beyond because you can see that there's another generation coming. And let me once again address that next generation. You owe it to those before you. It's not just good enough for you to reap the benefits of the Christian school and all the sacrifices that have been made. You have to invest as well. And you've got to be involved as well. And it's time for you, as you, as you rear your children and you reap the benefits, to look beyond you and find those less than ideal situations and say, I'll invest in you. I'll make sure you're in church. I'll pay your way to camp. I'll come witness to your mom and dad. Hey, sit with me when you come to church. I'll be somebody to invest in you. And God will give you some encouragement. When it comes to the end of your time, an unlikely encourager. Paul had no idea that day when he took the son of a certain woman with him how special he would be throughout his life and ministry. For we don't know what God will do for us and who God will use to be that encouragement right when we need it. To be that one that God places something in their heart where they'll continue and they won't quit. I, I, I think God would be pleased. I think God would have it that every child grows up in a Christian home. Every child grows up with mom and dad. Days like Father's Day and Mother's Day are happy days because of the fond memories. You and I both know that's not reality. And one more time, let me just say, young people, if that's your testimony, if that's the situation you find yourself in today, you ought to get on your knees and you ought to thank God. There are some young people that wish mom would nag them. They wish dad would drag them to church. Well, thank God. Thank God that you have mom and dad in your life that will teach you the Word of God. There are a lot of people who sit here tonight and if somebody had not looked past your situation and invested in you and wouldn't let you quit, wouldn't let you give up, wouldn't let you use your situation as excuses of why you can't and why, why, why God wouldn't do that for you. No, friend, if He can take the Apostle Paul, that old church persecutor, that old murderer, and save him and use him, and use him to help somebody else, there's a whole lot of us who are here just by the grace of God. But there are people out there in less than ideal situations that if somebody would just care, somebody just invest in them, they could be reached with the Gospel. They could be helped who knows what they will become? There's a lot of illustrations I could use to close tonight. But I think, too, that are very, very applicable to this message and give us a sense of history. It's hard to believe that Dr. Jack Howes has been in heaven as long as he has been. 
Many of you know the story of how he was raised. His dad was an alcoholic. As a Sunday school teacher, that invested in him. The whole generation was affected. Tens and tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of people will be in heaven because of his ministry. You go back a generation sooner, you find a young teenage boy by the name of D.L. Moody. I love to read the ministry of D.L. Moody. And how, while he was living with a brother, working in a shoe store, a Sunday school teacher by the name of Ed Kimball, he led him to Christ. And history records that over three million souls, three million people walked down the aisle for salvation during his ministry. Because somebody looked past a less than ideal situation. They didn't see D.L. Moody, the one who shaped two continents for God. They just saw a 15-year-old boy who if he don't just say, he's going to split hell wide open. If somebody doesn't invest in him, he's never going to grow as a Christian. He's never going to become what he could be. And God took somebody who had been in a less than ideal situation, saved them, and used them beyond what anybody could have imagined. You know, our country is in trouble. Well, I know the economy is good, and I'm grateful for that. I know there's jobs, and I'm grateful for that. But spiritually speaking, we're in trouble. How do we solve that? Go find a young man of a certain woman. Invest in him. Reach people. Let God use them. That's where revival is going to come when we get a burden for people again. We get a burden for souls again. We get a burden to invest in somebody else. Just some simple observations about a certain young man and what he became because there was somebody who was willing to invest in him. Father, I pray that you'll take the simple message tonight. You'll use it. May we never get so far removed from what you saved us from. We don't invest in somebody else. Father, that's what separated this church from others for not years, but for decades. Because we've always been willing to try and help those who can't help themselves. Help those who can give nothing in return. And Father, I pray that we'll be challenged once again. It's not starting something new for us. It's just a recommitment to continue for another generation to rise up and build, for another generation to give their lives to helping others. I pray to use the message tonight. We stand to our feet. Heads are bowed. Piano begins to play.